The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroot was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers Download, where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Justin Prince and Taylor Burris. Welcome to the iRacers Download from the Speed Sport Studio, powered by My Race Pass. My name's Justin Prince, alongside me is my co-host once more, Taylor Burris, as we break down the news of the week and talk about some of the biggest events in all of iRacing. When we talk about, and when we have to talk about the big news, there is one headline that's at the top of them all. That is the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series Championship taking place for the Championship 4 live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. It certainly was an event that was full of excitement where we saw at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Dale Earnhardt Jr., some very high ups from the NASCAR community. Battling it out, though, was four top-tier level drivers, Stephen Wilson, Casey Kerwin, Graham Bolin, and Bobby Zielinski, who battled it out at the virtual Phoenix Raceway. Of course, it was a barn burner for much of that championship battle. It came down in the final laps to two drivers, Casey Kerwin Bobby Zelensky, who are nose to tail for much of the final 13 or so laps. All while Graham Bowen, Stephen Wilson slid back in the later stages of the race. Of course, Casey Kerwin coming away with the championship in the first in-person eNASCAR Coco iRacing Series championship decider. It was in a race full of excitement watching Kerwin and Zelensky battle all the way to the finish here, separated by only half a second when they came to the checkered flag. But Kerwin was able to do that in just watching the emotion of him in person there at the Hall of Fame, plus seeing his family there along with some of his friends and colleagues was a sight to see as he was able to collect the first ever Dale Earnhardt Jr. Cup. I, I find that trophy interesting because of its throwback to the Winston Cup days. You have to un- you have to believe Dale Jr. chose that design because he wanted to show a tribute and play things back to the olden days. Well, if you think about it, Jr. is someone who always wants to help remember and respect the past. And what better way than to combine both past and future? So Casey Kerwin picked up his first eNASCAR championship as part of the race, picking it up at Phoenix Raceway. Bobby Selensky coming away second in the championship race. Graham Bowen, Stephen Wilson. And of those names, a lot of young competitors. Some of those in their first championship for battle in the first place, Taylor. Would be surprised to see Kerwin make another championship four down the line. Or Stephen Wilson or Graham Bowen going especially with how strong his first half was. It certainly was. It was something to keep an eye on as well, and very exciting to see Kerwin battling it out for this championship, along with, though, I think the biggest surprise was Steven Wilson, who was there, pretty much the most dominant car all season long. Absolutely, and Steven Wilson had high expectations with his consistency. We've seen that for much of the race, but of course, slipped back to 22nd into the final lap of the race, scramble in 18th. Casey Kerwin, of course, finished in second in the race to Keegan Leahy, and in turn, chance to build momentum in the case of Leahy, at least. 
He certainly was. Keegan Leahy finally picking up his first win of the season was very critical for him as well. But, of course, a lot of people were very excited to see that battle between Kerwin and Zelensky. But I think Zelensky was probably the most disappointed because, once again, he was the bridesmaid in this championship once again. I think the post on Twitter he had after the race, I think, is the emphasis of how he felt, where he posted a selfie and said, essentially, by Charlotte. He came here to win a championship. Didn't come away with it, being so close this year. He certainly was, and just half a second back in order to come out with a championship. But unfortunately, he will have to try again next year. But the good news is, he is returning along with our championship four to compete in 2023. And that's the important thing to mention, of course, eNASCAR competition for the Coke Series, turning in 2023. But the eNASCAR iRacing Contender Series in the midst of its opening rounds of the season to see which drivers make it from the contender series with the 21 projected slots and which drivers are going to have to battle through the road to pro ladder once again next year. And that's going to be the difficult part of all of this. There are plenty of drivers that are high caliber competitors who are competing in contender this year. They certainly are, and of course, when they headed off to the virtual Phoenix Raceway on Tuesday, November the 1st, it was a barn burner action where we saw a lot of the Logitech Altus G drivers be some of the top headline drivers to compete in this championship, but unfortunately, it was not able to work out for them as Vicente Salas was able to take home the checkered flag and win and help him be a little bit more comfortable in this event to move on back into the Coke Series in 2023. I find this year's Contender Series roster the most interesting thing because you have Vicente, who we know is very quick. He had the track position from the get-go in that race. Altus Esports, as the name is, although Logitech G is still a sponsor with that team, you can tell they want to go places, especially with how many drivers ran up towards the front. Some of the drivers did struggle, Taylor, but it was reported, by example, for Michael Cozy Jr., who's one of the three Altus drivers to finish towards the back, he ended up hitting the wall in the early going. He certainly did. He get caught up in a lap one incident that very detrimental to him and his hopes of maybe making it in. He's still in contention after the first race, but currently it is Caden Honeycutt who holds that 21st position. That's going to be the critical thing. To be able to keep an eye on that, be sure to go to iRacing social media platforms. Follow on the action, because now it's a doubleheader night with the eNASCAR College iRacing Series from the time forward. Both of those series will be taking place in companion with each other, interestingly enough, Taylor, to make a qualifier Tuesday. Not only that, but you also have to throw in the eNASCAR International Series right there in the mix. So three different series competing in amongst themselves for this winter offseason. Absolutely. The next race taking place on November the 8th. Be sure to tune in to count coverage of the eNASCAR College iRacing Series powered by Nate Star League, the eNASCAR Contender iRacing Series on iRacing's social media platforms. Meanwhile, in other news, just announced during the BMW Sim event that happened over this past weekend, a brand new car is joining the ranks in the world of iRacing as LMDH and GTP competition is coming to iRacing with the brand new BMW M Hybrid announced to come on board in the 2023 Season 1 build. And this car is absolutely stunning. Looking some of the information, the people at BMW and iRacing coming together to help bring this car online to the surface. And I think a lot of people have the same question. 
would we see a car in the newer classes of LMDH in the near future? This is a big change from before where we seen a delay, remember, to the previous generation from the last class, the LMP2s. It certainly was, but thankfully with the amazing partnership with BMW and iRacing, we are able to get this car before it even technically takes its official race start in the Rolex 24 at Daytona in January of 2023. So this is something incredibly exciting to see. For those of you who are wondering about the other great German manufacturer, Porsche is in the works of currently sending this car out into the sim racing world. We've seen some photos of Porsche having it scanned to which company we don't know yet. But I think it's safe to say, Justin, that this is a possibility where we could see possibly two cars released with the LMDH platform on iRacing in the next season build. And I think this is something fans have been clamoring for, having the newest type of cars and the newest classes as they debut in the real world. A couple years ago, we had to wait a few years until the companies had the comfortability to allow the scan to go through just in case. Guess what? Now this is a huge change of the turns, essentially, with the importance of this project, as BMW said during the press release. And in turn, I think a lot of people are going to be clamoring, and I mean clamoring, for this car when it hits the iRacing service. It's going to be interesting how it does in its iRacing debut and when in turn it comes out. And for those of you who are maybe wondering, well, how is this car going to match up and be placed in amongst the iRacing format? Well, there has been an announcement regarding this for both the IMSA and the European series that are on the iRacing platform. Uh, Greg West made a comment on the forums here discussing that this car will replace the LMP1 class as the top tier class. And then also it will be added into the IMSA series, removing the McLaren MP4-12C GT3 series cars out of that event for the IMSA series. So no major changes except for the LMP1 car coming out in the European series and the McLaren coming out in the IMSA series. And give you the most up-to-date car, absolutely. That's going to be a major change of things, absolutely, when it comes to some of the trends. Now, real quickly, we want to turn things over to Open Wheel Racing on the service, Taylor, because some of the biggest events in all of iRacing, in fact, the biggest event coming up of the year for Open Wheel Community Racing, is coming up. The Open Wheels 500 and its Open Wheels Grand Prix are coming up, Taylor, meaning some of the best of the best in all of the platform have a chance to compete to showcase if they are the best of the best when it comes to open wheel racing. The whole festivities for this event starts on Saturday, November the 5th, keep in mind, with the Grand Prix race. Then, multiple days of practice, qualifying, and of course, a media day before the main event on November the 19th. Part of this event, some of the headliners signing up the 2019 Open Wheels 500 champion, Kelly Constantini, Brandon Treno, the IndyCar legend when it comes to the official iRacing Indy 500. Also keep an eye on Team i5G with ART as they bring us slower drivers into the field. Absolutely exciting news to be seeing here in the world of open wheel racing and I'm looking forward to seeing that happen. And can you give another date of when that is happening? Once again, the race is November the 19th for the Open Wheels 500-mile race. The Grand Prix will be taking place November the 5th on this upcoming Saturday for the Grand Prix race on the road course. 
such exciting news and and in order to wrap up our news for the week here on iRacing, the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup Contender Series will be wrapping up its Contender Series this weekend at Autodromo Internazionale Enzo Di Dino Ferrari or Imola this Saturday, November the 5th. And 15 drivers looking very close to lock themselves into the Porsche Esports Super Cup in 2023. Uh, Tata Hale will currently still be your points leader by a massive margin over Peter Berryman in second place. But the one we're going to be keeping an eye is between Lucas Kita, Oscar Biscard, Alexei Nesov, and Brian Collins, who are in the hunt for this championship contender series to move on back into the Esports Super Cup in 2023. It's always so intriguing how the qualifiers play out. And of course, when you have the pressure on the way it is to be able to compete for a world championship, it's absolutely nerve-wracking. And for a lot of these drivers, they have been competing for the longest of times in service for this moment. Around that top 15 cut line, it is a tie, keep in mind. Oscar Bichard, along with Alexei Nezov, tied at 103, meaning it likely comes down to the best of those finishing, depending on how Byron Collins also turns out. It certainly is going to play into consideration a couple of major heavy hitters who may not be able to move on. Drivers such as Bobby Zelensky, Sam Koitzert, Alessandro Pico are some of those major heavy hitters from last season looking possibly not to return into the championship in 2023. I think the biggest headline out of that, though, Taylor, David Williams, 32nd in the points, just five points scored in the series. That is a major hitter who was a contender in some of the races last year for Coanda. So that's going to be a major change. Biko, you mentioned, going to be slotting back. Josh Thompson, he just hasn't had the luck to go his way much of the time of the Pro Series. So absolutely challenging and difficult. Give credit, though, to the effort put in by Phil Bouchard as well, Taylor, because he had to make his way in through the Canadian series. Only 31st in points, though. Well, how about this? V8 supercar driver Richie Stanaway, who competed in this 10 tender series, he is not going to be able to make his way into this championship next year. And he, of course, is a V8 supercar driver and, and unfortunately scored no points throughout the season. And for another driver, Andreas Melcher's negative two in the points. I mean, that's unheard of. Pretty clear the negative two might be from a penalty. But for Richie Stanaway, I think it just showcases how much commitment it takes on the virtual side on top of from the real world to be able to have the crossover from real world to virtual. And a lot of these drivers know track position is very critical in this series. And we've seen that come into play a few times where the drivers who started on polls throughout the season, guess what? They're amongst the top 17. They certainly are. Catch all the action on iRacing on Saturday, November the 5th at 3 o'clock Eastern time for more great action. And, of course, with that, we are going to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we will have the first of our two special guests joining us here on the iRacer Download. He is unfortunately retiring in the after this season here. But we're going to still see him out on the track one way or another. It is going to be Blake Reynolds joining us next on the iRacer Download. Welcome back to the iRacers Download from the SpeedSport Studio powered by My Race Pass. Justin Prince, Taylor Burris with you all, the producer Richard Colbreth, as it's time to talk about retirements in the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series. Multiple different drivers have elected to end their times in the virtual world over the past few weeks via announcements. Logan Clampett, 
Liam Brotherton. And of note, from the top 20 in the points, Blake Reynolds this season, Taylor. And it certainly was a surprise to hear from these three drivers that they are considering retirement. But we're going to learn a little bit about the reasoning behind this, as well as what the future holds for at least one of these drivers, Blake Reynolds, who competed in this season with Jim Beaver Esports. And Blake, first and foremost, welcome back to the iRacers download and walk us through how you felt your season went. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, it was just a really good season overall. One of my better ones, statistically. And, uh, yeah, it, it kind of made it a little difficult to say goodbye, but there were quite a few factors that uh, kind of ended up piling on top of each other that kind of made me say, yeah, I, I should probably pack it up. It, could you maybe explain a little bit of what some of those reasons were, if possible, and the reasonings of, you know, it was it because of the difficulty of just this season, the, uh, my, the amount of work that has to go into it, or was it something else? Well... The next gen provided kind of like a clean slate. Nobody had any setup benefits, nothing. I felt like there were a couple of teams throughout the years that had like certain quirks to the Gen 6 car that they just kept to themselves, kept within their team, and it was almost like their own kind of attribute advantage to their back end team, you know? Uh, next gen, clean slate. And uh, I really liked how I came, came out, you know, running really well, kind of slumped a little bit in the summer I mean, that's kind of where you know i guess it's it's the lows right my year with mclaren shadow was awful <laughs> me and alan Bose will tell you that it, it's like the 60 car that one year in in a, the xfinity series with briscoe and Cindric and all those guys it was just cursed no matter what we could do we could not finish top 20 and uh you know it's mentally tough to be in this series, and I, I'm just getting to the age. I'm 24 now. I just don't know how much of the lows I can take, you know, for me to put in the time and for, you know, the money I get. It's just, it got to the point where I kind of questioned, is it worth it? That's an interesting point to bring up in terms of balance. want to touch upon that in a bit. But as the season went on and you knew or had the inkling of what you wanted to decide to do, what was kind of the reaction from Jim Beaver Esports, especially knowing you and Michael Guest had done well in the season, 11th, 12th in points? Well, they understood, yeah. Uh, I kind of pondered it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm doing this. It was like, what if I did this? And I, I did that with uh, Dead Zone and Jim Beaver Esports and even just some good friends I've had throughout the years here in the top level of the oval sim racing. and. It was kind of the same thing. It's like, well, you know, people have been doing that recently, last couple of years. And uh, my friend Nathan Lyon, he did it. And that's kind of the one where I was like, you know, if he did it, maybe I should do it. That was my first inkling, I guess. But, uh, yeah, Jim Beaver Esports, they were real, real easy about it. They were like, you know, sure. Like, let's finish it out strong, though. And I was like, yes, let's try and win that team champ. And boy, was it close. I mean, we were, we thought we had second locked up, and Xset stole it from us, so we were third. Yeah, it was a strong year for the team as a whole. But how would you describe that balance now, knowing you're now leaving eNASCAR competition? And in turn, how would you describe that balance over the years and that difficulty of battling with the lows that cultivated and accumulated into the retirement? 
Well, you know, when I started this, it was 2017. I was 19. I was doing community college, and I had a part-time job. So I had a lot of time. Uh, now, you know, I work for my small family business, and I work 40, 50 hours a week. And it's just hard to come home and, you know, do two or three hours a night sometimes, especially on, like, hard weeks like road courses where I have to, I have to really put in my own, you know, work instead of the setup. Other weeks are easier than others, but it's just, you know, I'm I'm getting to the age where it's like I kind of grew out of it. I just don't have the time to do it. And a lot of the guys that are running good, they have the time. It, they, or are they getting paid to, for this to be their job, you know? I, I won't disclose my contract, but with Jim Bieber Esports, like, I'm not exactly getting what some other guys, like, with certain, you know, Logitech or VRS logos in their car get, so. And, and I never really got anywhere close to that. So it just kind of, that was another factor. I was like, you know, why am I putting in this time for what should be a minimum wage job, honestly? And I'm not getting kind of anywhere near minimum wage. Yeah, that's a red flag, I think, potentially for competitors looking in in that circumstance. I'm curious what the family business is. I don't think you've talked about it too much. What is that family business you're now focusing on? Oh, yeah. Uh, I started working there in 2019, actually. It's kind of funny. My best year in the series is was my first year working there, and I feel like that was the hardest year. I don't know. I guess I just... It just worked out that way. But um, anyway, we do uh, daiquiri machines here in Texas. Um, if you don't know what a daiquiri machine, it's like an icy machine. It's got the spinny things in the front. You can see it being stirred in there, but it's for alcoholic product. A daiquiri can be any mixed drink, basically a margarita that's a daiquiri, but it's any kind of drink that can be made into a slush form. I got to say, that's the first time I've ever heard of any one of our drivers who actually builds daiquiri machines. Pretty cool, I have to say. But, Blake, I guess one of the biggest questions everyone's going to be asking is, what is the future for Blake Reynolds, both just with you personally outside of the sim racing, as well as what you're going to do inside the virtual world of iRacing? Well, I actually just kind of figured that out in the last couple of days. It's kind of funny. Everything's kind of lining up so quick. Um, I've started my own league. It's called SimCar. And uh, we're currently running a Grand Am series. I've been running it this fall. Uh, we're starting up an Xfinity series on Friday nights here soon. If you want to look that up, it's Simcar League on Twitter. Uh, just DM the account. Or I've got some links in the bio. Um, also, I'm I'm obviously a, a very dedicated member of Dead Zone Racing, so I'm sure I'll end up helping somebody here in the Contender Series. Uh, actually, I was on Alan Bose's box this last night or uh, two nights ago, and of course in the Coke season you know we dead zone we've got like what 10 12 drivers so uh i'm sure i'll be helping somebody on that end well blake we have to say for your contributions to the e-nascar series thank you for providing some great racing coverage and action all season long in 2022 and we wish the best for your leagues as well as your team dead zone racing in the rest of this season for the contender and in the future for 2023 um any final thoughts about your thought run in the Ian Ascar series before we have to not in a way let you drive off into the sunset in a way, but in a sense where it's not goodbye, but it's it's a next turn in the page for you here in the world of iRacing? Well, my career, I'd say I it's like every other year I do good, right? So like I'll have one really good year. My rookie season was good. And then my, my uh, sophomore season was terrible. I got relegated. 
won the pro championship, and then I made the final four. Then I got what thirteenth in points. Then I got twentieth or twenty seventh in points with McLaren. Oh boy! And then this year, obviously, I got eleventh by quite a long shot. So I'd say it's a solid career. I've definitely, I'm definitely one of the most tenured, I guess. Like I, I think I broke a hundred starts this year. There's very few people that can actually say that in, in the series. So pretty proud of that. And also just to wrap up another thing, I, I just remembered it was another thing I got wrapped up the last couple of days. I'm going to be the eNASCAR competition manager for Jim Beaver Esports. And I'll still be very prominent in Jim Beaver Esports activities like the uh the e short course stuff that was on CBS Sports in the spring. Blake, we thank you for your time. And that, of course, is Blake Reynolds, former driver for Jim Beaver Esports in the 2022 E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. But he'll be back around this paddock here pretty soon, the virtual paddock, I would have to say, for future events. Coming up next, after the break, we speak to the E-NASCAR Contender Series winner at Phoenix this past week. Vicente Salas joins us next on The Download. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the Speed Sport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Taylor Burris here, along with Justin Prince, our producer Richard Colbreth, as we are now joined by the winner from the eNASCAR Contender Series this past Tuesday from Phoenix. Vicente Salas joins us, and Vicente, I have to say, it was a strong performance for you all night long in Phoenix, and. Unfortunately, you had to miss out on returning to the Coke Series, but this is a good way to segue your sway back into the Coke Series in 2023. Definitely. I think it was a, a good statement that we're still here, we're still competitive, and, and we're ready to win when the opportunity is there. I think there were definitely a lot of races in, in the Coke Series this year that just didn't go our way. You know, running third at Gateway, third at Charlotte and I mean so many races where we were in the top five and positioned to give it our all for a win and it just never played through I mean even Homestead obviously we were running I think fourth or fifth at the end so it was good to to finally find victory lane again and I'm hoping that we'll get to do it again it certainly looks like to be that way of course taking a look at your season last year or this past season with Williams Esports one top five five top tens a best our average finish of 18, or actually not 18, it was actually going to be 20th. What do you think some of the struggles with this new car that was a big issue for you to try to overcome, or was it something else? Um, I mean, I don't think we had a bunch of big issues overcoming the car. You know, there was a certain way you had to drive it. There were certain ways and certain directions you could go in setup-wise. And I think it really came down to, you know, when you got in the race, how you approached it and how you attacked it. I mean, there were a few races there where, unfortunately, I had EO Wells. We'd climb from the back all the way into the top 10, and we'd just get wrecked. You know, there's nowhere you can go with all the chaotic racing, the short races, the way it's formatted. I mean, stuff just happens. And I think I calculated it, and based on where we're running at a bunch of the races we got wrecked out of, I think we missed out on, like, 120 points. And, you know, not to say that didn't happen to other people where they were missing out on a few good finishes, but I think we got the sharpest end of the stick on that. And the fact that we still came home, I think it was 21st or 22nd in points after missing the final race, I think is a statement to just how strong our cars were. And of course, one of the things that drivers are looking for is the comparison of what we saw with the B car that we saw ran on Tuesday compared to that next gen car. And you, you, you pretty much look like you never skipped a beat when you got behind that wheel of the Xfinity car that ran for Tuesday night. But 
was there any really challenges going back to that track on Tuesday with V-Car, knowing that you have to tr basically try to fight your way in once again in order to return in 2023? I mean, I, I think it's one of those things, and the way I approached it was, you know, we made it in 2020, had a good 2021 season, 2022 just wasn't our year. And, you know, if we belong in the series and, and we were truly there, then we could make it back in and we could do it. And I think as for the Xfinity car, I mean, in my opinion, just the way it is, truck arms, track bars, packers, I mean, I think that's what a true stock car is. And I'm not saying that just because we won, but the way you have to build the aero platform for the next gens is so wacky. The way you have to drive them, the way you have to race them. It just felt natural going back to the Xfinity car because that's what we were so comfortable and, and good in in 2021, as well as 2020 in the truck and the Xfinity car. There was a fair bit of discussion I noticed in regards to how that contender series race played out. Of course, you started top three. How would you describe the race from your viewpoint? Just the one caution to start things off and having the track position from the onset. Um, you know, like I said, I'm not saying all this biased because I won. I think that genuinely that is how a race should play out. Maybe it could have been a little bit longer. But, you know, we're professionals. The race should go green. We should be able to race clean, race hard, and, and run to the end. And it was really nice to finally be able to get in a rhythm. I mean, in the Coke series, I know we all like chaos and we like the late race restarts and, and the crazy finishes. But we also need races with order and, you know, civil driving. And I think last night showcased that. Even though, you know, half of the guys are coming down from Coke, half of the guys are coming from Road to Pro, that this is definitely a good crop of drivers and we can all race clean. And I think it's something that a lot of guys in Coke should should kind of learn from. You know, we can do this. There are a lot more ovals, per se, a mile and a half, I should say, in this year's Contender Series. Phoenix, of course, to start things off. Homestead for a 100 lapper next with Auto Club after that. How would you say the schedule plays in terms of your favor? Do you feel it does? Why or why not for this season? Uh, I think if we could have had a road course, that would have been awesome. I love road courses. They were our strong suits in Coke. I think we finished sixth at both of them this year, so that was good. Good points for us. But that would have helped. Uh, maybe another short track, obviously, that would have been nice. But, I mean, the mile and a half are a really, really good strong suit for us. It's really about building for that aero platform, getting your handling down, and, you know, being comfortable in the queue set as well to queue up front. So I'm excited to see how it plays out for us. Last year I was crewing for uh, Honeycut, and I helped Don as well in, in all those races. So I kind of have a bit of knowledge and a, and a, and a bit of a, a know-how around these tracks. But, I mean, we'll see. It's, it's all in learning more and improving. So Indeed. The next race, as mentioned, Homestead Miami Speedway. Your thoughts on that racetrack for the Contender Series? We've seen a lot of different types of lines used. It'd be open, for example, some drivers electing to go in towards the bottom of the racetrack. Yes, um, I think all all lines on the track are going to work. You know, some may work better than others, but at the end of the day, all of them will be viable. You know, you saw guys absolutely ripping the fence to get to the front. And then by 20, 25 laps into the run, their tires were gone. You saw guys run in the middle, kind of having more of a you know realistic approach to it, just trying to get track position and hold. And then you had guys saving on the bottom. So, I mean, I, I think you're going to see guys running 
all around the racetrack, and you're going to see comers and goers a ton next Tuesday. Now, of course, after that event here, pretty much, you're still going to be dealing with a lot of racing still to come. In fact, before you came on, me and you were talking that you're actually going to be in the 2022 uh, East Super Nats at Las Vegas. Yes, I am so excited to make a comeback to karting. Uh, Billy Musgrave, Willie Musgrave, and everyone at Factory Karts have done such a great job developing an American-made chassis. And, you know, to finally be able to get back behind the seat, obviously I was able to run the last LAKC race at Cal Speed before it's closing since um, Auto Club is getting reconfigured. But, I mean, definitely a lot of great seat time coming up, and I, I couldn't be more excited for it. Is that meaning a possibility of competing in the Super Nats or the Scusa Pro Tour in 2023 possibly for you? Um, I think that's definitely something we're looking at. Um, I've always been under the assumption that karting is the best physical training you can get for racing. Because in the car, you know, you're in a seat, you're being held in, you got your Hans, you got a headrest. There's, there's definitely still some physical activity, but it's not the same as a go-kart where you're getting thrown around, you're shifting gears. And I mean, there's nothing like it. So I think the Pro Tour would definitely be good to keep driving sharp. And uh, it's it's really something I'm looking at. But not only that karting experience that you have, but you also had a little bit of other racing experience earlier this year in 2022 behind the wheel of some close top race cars. Not if you want to delve into a little bit of that. Uh, yes. So early this year in March, I had the incredible opportunity to run the Cars Tour Pro Late Model Series with Donnie Wilson Racing. Uh, they are a group of incredible guys. They know what they're doing, and it was so awesome to learn from them. What was that like, getting behind the wheel of a late model, which, of course, you know, maybe not the current late model that you drove is like what it is in iRacing, but getting behind the wheel of something that you have had the experience of driving on the virtual world? It, it definitely gave me a really great perspective as to how close iRacing has mirrored their models to real life. And really, the, the only difference is the slip of the tire. You know, in real life, you can keep turning on the wheel and keep sawing on it, and the car will turn more. But on iRacing, you kind of reach that certain point where you turn too much and you just blow your right front off. So it was kind of interesting adjusting to that in real life because I wasn't turning the wheel enough. My guys were telling me, you got to turn more. You got to turn more. Get on the gas earlier because I was just in this mindset of saving the tires. And it definitely helped at the end of the run in that race. I think we had a couple tenths on the leaders. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was all so much fun. Well, Vicente, before we let you go for this episode here, where can people go to follow your career, both virtually and in the real world? Um, you can follow me on Instagram, vicente.salas.14. Um, I'm on Twitter, vicente underscore salas14. My only account's the one with the little check mark. Um, thank you guys again so much for supporting me. Um, huge thank you to Williams, Dave Siltman, Carson Hosevar, Jonathan Platt for all their help on the win last week, or I guess a couple of days ago. That was something I'd never expect after everything that's happened. And, you know, it gave me a lot of appreciation as to, you know, who the real people are around me, who I can trust and, and that we can do it as a small group. So thank you to everyone that supports me and we'll keep pushing. Well, that is Vicente Salas joining us here on the iRacers Download. And, of course, for our other special guest, Blake Reynolds joining us. And, of course, my co-host, uh, Justin Prince, our producer, Richard Colbreth. I'm Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download from the Speed Sport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. <laughs>